This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, May 16th. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the A Foot in the Box podcast. The big 5-0. Yes, my name is Peter Elliott. And I'm Paul Elliott. And we are twin brothers coming to you from Champaign, Illinois. Foot in the Box is a weekly baseball podcast. Uh, thanks to Nelly for our intro song. Uh, our Nelly uh, fun fact this week is that he performed at the 2001 Super Bowl where the Ravens beat the Giants 34-7. to and uh, have some audio of that performance. So, Paul, that was the 2001 uh, Super Bowl. Who is the, do you know who well, all I was going to ask were? you, uh, just, you haven't heard that before. Who do you, there's uh, three other uh, performances in that clip besides Nelly. Can you name them? Uh, maybe, like, was Christina Aguilera popular then? Nope. Can I sound like Aerosmith? Aerosmith is one. I really, maybe Britney Spears? Britney Spears is one. The last one. Mm. I would think the last one would be the easiest to get. Any hints? Uh, I mean, his voice is probably the most recognizable from that clip. Hmm. A member of this band is still popular today, making music today. In sync. Yep. Wow. Well done. Yeah. So that was 2001. Britney Spears, Aerosmith, In Sync, and Nelly. Of course, this was just a couple years before the big Justin Timberlake, uh, Janet Jackson fiasco. Uh, but thanks to Nelly for our intro song. And as Paul mentioned, it's episode 50, uh, a monumental podcast in our history. Uh, We've made it this far. Many, many fun surprises along the way this episode. So we won't dwell on the fact that we reached 50 uh, too much early on, other than to say that we did it. Um, But first, Paul, my my question for you is, have you recovered from last week's uh, Aruna race? Yes, I have recovered. My, uh, My back, lower back, was a bit tight Monday and Tuesday at work. Um, this past week, but I am feeling great today, and I I gotta say props to you for doing this podcast and um, watching the uh, Cubs game 
currently going on. <laughs> where John Lester has a no hitter through six innings. Yeah, I'll keep you updated. I'm watching the uh, the game cast on my phone here. And we'll be at bat. Everyone should get that. It's a great app. Um, all right, so moving on to some baseball stuff. Oh, by the way, the logo on the back of the race shirts, if you're wondering, looks looks top notch. So uh, good stuff. If you see one of those shirts randomly uh, in Champagne somewhere, let us know. Wanted to mention one Champagne baseball-related thing: Cody Sudlack pitched into extra innings again mm-hmm. uh, this past Friday. Illinois is uh, kind of making a last-ditch effort to make the postseason. Only the top eight teams in the Big Ten make the Big Ten tournament. And so they need uh, to win a lot of games these last couple weekends to make even the Big Ten tournament. They're right around 500 on the season. Uh, Friday night, he won. Again, he's been dominant recently. Nine and one-thirds innings, 12 strikeouts, only seven hits, and one run against Indiana, who's winning the Big Ten. Uh, Indiana went on to uh, win Friday, or, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Sedlak, who grew up about an hour from us in the mm-hmm. Quad Cities, um, pretty cool uh, tidbit there. But uh, he's just having a great season overall. Uh, Ninety-two innings, one hundred and nine strikeouts, which is now uh, an Illinois mm-hmm. baseball record. Uh, his ERA is two point six three. Just a phenomenal season uh, thus far, and really a breakout season. I, I looked at his stats from the last two years. He's a junior. Last year didn't start because the Rotation was so deep, um, a lot of guys got drafted. Um, but he threw 31 innings, 4.002 ERA. Um, still struck out a fair share of guys, 29 and 31 innings. And then 2014 as a freshman, 30 strikeouts and 31 innings, uh, 3.41 out of relief. Um, so just a breakout season from Sedlak this year. Yeah, and I feel like so you know he's a projected first or second rounder. If he leaves, which is almost a guarantee at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you could see this is back-to-back years. Illinois had first-round uh, draft picks of pitchers, so I think you could see Illinois pitching coach Drew Dickinson kind of move on to greener pastures either after this season or next season because he seems to be churning out. You know, these are his recruits, and he's developing them when they get here. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him. I don't, I don't know what the kind of the career arc would be for him, whether he would want to be a. Division one head coach or uh, like a pitching coach in the in the minors or the majors, but do you really care? Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I don't care too much. All right, so Sidlock is awesome, uh, and we'll keep talking about him as it gets close to draft day coming up here in June. All right, so around baseball, before we get to the Nationals, who are really at the center of the baseball universe this week, wanted to give an update on the Reds bullpen, uh, their streak of giving up runs, uh, ended at 23. Actually, it ended last Friday, so we just didn't notice it. Uh, like, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, before we recorded last episode uh, on May 6th. Um, street came to an end, 23 games in a row, giving up a run as Lester's uh, no-hit bid comes to an end. Mm. Charlie Marte with a base hit to right field. Um, the crowd cheers. But what inning is it inappropriate to give a standing ovation for a pitcher with a no-hitter? Uh, I think... After the fifth, it's okay? That's a good question. I think uh, if you get, like, two outs in the sixth, so five and two-thirds. Hmm. If you're in the sixth and there's, like, one out or no outs and you give up a hit, I don't think they deserve a, a crowd reaction. Uh, but yeah, Lester 
still 0-0, so they got to win the game. Anyway, uh, the Reds bullpen, 23 games in a row, giving up a run, came to an end. Tony Singrani, who got the save in that game, who also gave up a fly ball to the wall to end the game, so that it almost continued. He had a quote after the game I thought was pretty funny. Uh, he said, uh, we mentioned it in the bullpen, but we weren't like, oh man, we're at 22 games. We can't go to 23 games. Whatever, it happens. We did play the best teams in baseball. It's going to happen. <laughs> so Sangrani says it's going to happen, but uh, the nature of a record is that it's never happened before. <laughs> so it has not happened, and it's not going to happen. It's not inevitable. Uh, so I thought that was Is Sangrani their closer? He, now he is. Hmm. He's a decent pitcher. All right, so that was the Reds. Paul, you got anything else before we get to the Nationals? Uh, well, I'm sure we'll get to this later on, but you said the Nationals are at the center of the baseball universe. I still feel like the Cubs are at the center of the baseball universe. All right, so even though Paul thinks uh, the Cubs are at the center, I think we all can agree the Nationals are actually the center of the baseball universe this past week. Uh, just going through some events that happened just this past week. Last Sunday, the Cubs walked Bryce Harper six times and hit him once uh, in a game that went, went into extra innings. So seven plate appearances, six walks, one hit by pitch. In the series overall, it's a four-game series, the Cubs walked Harper uh, 13 times in 19 plate appearances. And then after Sunday's game, um, which the Cubs won, they swept the four-game series, Tanner uh, Roark, who we've talked about because he's from Illinois, uh, he lost the game, was a starting pitcher for the Nationals. He said the Cubs uh, were playing scared baseball uh, by walking Harper so many times. Um, Paul, what did you make of, of that comment? Do you agree with uh, no, it's Tan- Tanner? Ri- it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, if you, uh, if you want teams to pitch to Harper, then bat someone other than Ryan Zimmerman uh, after him. I'd, I'd, I'd move Murphy after. Well, they did, eventually. So Zimmerman went one for seven in the game and left 14 guys on base, and he was just two for 19 in the series. Um, This past Wednesday, Dusty finally uh, swapped Zimmerman with Daniel Murphy. Murphy is hitting 403 this year, has an OPS of over 1,000. So kind of a no-brainer, in my opinion. Yeah, it's uh, absurd to think that. I mean, it's just strategy. It's, you know... Mandated by an unwritten rule of baseball to pitch to a guy if there's no protection behind him. Yep. All right, so that was Sunday. On Monday, Bryce Harper was ejected in the ninth inning of their game against the Tigers. Um, So he's ejected from the dugout, arguing balls and strikes when his team is up. Um, And then just the following batter after he gets ejected was a walk-off homer by Clint Robinson. And so the whole team mobs him. Harper, who's supposed to not come out again after you're ejected, he comes running onto the field to congratulate Robinson with the rest of his teammates, but detours a bit and finds uh, Brian um, Knight. Is that the is that the ump? Um, finds him and then you know yells "f you" at him. Uh, the TV cameras pick it up on ESPN. So yeah, he was ejected. Later suspended for that act. Our listener email. Uh, Asked about this, so we won't cover it or comment on it too much now. We'll do that in a couple minutes. Uh, that same game, so on Monday, uh, Steven Strasburg pitched, and it was the first game he was pitching with a brand-new seven-year, $175 million contract. Uh, he has opt-outs after year three and year four. Um, Strasburg will turn 28 in July. Only one season of 200 innings, uh, 2014, 
was his best season. Just had a 3.5 war, though. Kind of the peak of his career. Um, famously, 2012, he was shut down early. Uh, so the Nationals have put a lot of restrictions on him because he had Tommy John surgery in uh, 2010. Missed most of 2011 as well. Um, Paul, did you like this contract for the Nationals? Yeah, it seems to make sense. I feel like every time I see a contract like that, as a White Sox fan, I'm like even more grateful for the deal that Sale and Quintana have. Mm-hmm. Both getting paid less than ten million a year for you know ace quality, yeah, performance. Especially when you see some of the contracts given to like Granky last off season. Mm-hmm. It concerns me that uh, Boris and and uh, Strasburg wanted to sign this. Hmm. Like uh, Boris is not known for signing extensions during the season. He, uh, Strasburg was going to be a free agent after this season. Do so you think they may know something that the Nationals? Yeah, it just don't? doesn't it doesn't strike me as the Nationals getting a bargain. Hmm. Um, and like I said, he only um, he only has thrown 200 innings once, and his highest season was 3.5 WAR. So yeah, I didn't love it for them, um, but I guess pitching costs that much, and they're going to roll with Scherzer and Strasburg for the next uh, half decade. Speaking of Scherzer, on Wednesday, he struck out 20 batters for the Nationals uh, against the Tigers, his old team. Um, did give up a couple runs, uh, but struck out 20. Just really, really dominant stuff. Um, 96 of his 119 pitches were strikes, which was the highest ever for a 20-strikeout game. Um, Scherzer has just been dominant over the past year. Had two no-hitters last year in this 20-strikeout game this year. If you remember, he was fourth on my NL Cy Young ballot last year. He had a uh, 17-strikeout game last year. Mm-hmm. And that was probably his best one against the Mets. Yeah, that was, the, the remember, the second-best game score of all time behind Kerry Woods. Mm-hmm. So he's been fifth on the Cy Young ballot the last two years, one in the NL, one in the AL, and then he won the AL Cy Young in two, uh, 2013. So just I feel like maybe underlooked as... Uh, just a great pitcher in today's game. Uh, he was drafted 11th overall in 2006. I kind of looked into his, his backstory a little bit. Uh, drafted 11th overall in 2006. He went to the University of Missouri. Um, Paul, do you know who else played at Missouri? Like I, I was ever? Just, just curious. Yeah. Hmm. The answer is no. You don't know anyone. No, I don't. I know a lot of sports writers that have gone there. <laughs> uh, Ian Kinsler went there. Hmm. Dave Otto. And Mike Shannon, hmm. Cardinals announcer. Those are the three most prominent ones. Well, I was thinking about uh, Scherzer. His career path is very similar to Arietta's. We were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, struggled. The stuff was kind of always there. Scherzer was definitely better than Arietta through the first few years of his big league career, but then came them. up with the D-backs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then traded to the Tigers and then signed with the Nationals. Uh, something just clicks, and Scherzer is in his 30s now. Uh, R.A. is 30. Um, so pretty similar career pass there. All right, so that was the week for the Nationals. Um, a couple other things before we get to the listener email about Harper's ejection. Uh, Matt Bush made his Major League debut on Friday. Mm-hmm. Really cool story there. Um, I don't know if it's cool. It's uh, It's very interesting, I guess. Very interesting story. Yeah, I think it's cool. Served his time. He, I mean, he just did so many bad things. And we're gonna we're gonna play his baseball profile from episode two. Nice, uh, kind of a throwback 
with this being episode 50, but um, so you'll hear more of his story there. But uh, yeah, I guess it is a redemptive story. He's only 30, uh, did a lot of terrible things, but served his prison time and uh, is pitching for the uh, the Rangers. Um, he had a good good debut. Yeah, he's hitting like 97, so he's not just like a, I don't know. I mean, he's got potential to be a really good reliever. Must have been playing catch in the uh, prison yard like uh, uh, Andy Dufresne and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> he, he's got, uh, I feel like the Rangers have a little bit of a niche now. Like they have a guy on staff that like can help rehab alcoholics. So helped uh, with Hamilton, Josh Hamilton. And then the same guy is helping um, Bush. So mm-hmm. he's still, I was reading, he still has a curfew and he still can't drive. Hmm. So either this, th- this advisor that helped Hamilton either has to be with him or his dad is always with him. Okay. Other notes around baseball, the Orioles have won seven in a row as we record this. That's two seven-game winning streaks this year in 35 games. I tweeted this from a Foot in the Box account this morning. From 2000 to uh, 2015, so a 16-year span, uh, they had two total. So this year, two seven-game winning streaks in 35 games. The last 16 seasons combined, they had two. So that's 2,593 games compared to 35. Crazy stat. I believe you did a hashtag baseball. Yeah, that's definitely a, a baseball stat. Uh, one other note, uh, Rocky's shortstop, uh, Jose Reyes. Yeah, you've always been on the, the Reyes beat. He is suspended uh, through May 31st, and uh, it sounds like they're going to try to trade him now that there's a definitive date <laughs> Um, I heard there was teams interested. Yeah, he is old. He's 33, but maybe he's still got a little bit left in the tank, as they say. Um, but yeah, he was uh, in a similar spot to Aroldis Chapman, where he had allegedly beat up his girlfriend um, in Major League Baseball, just now ruled on it. Mm-hmm. Listener email comes from James Woods in Texas. You can send us emails as well at afootinthebox at gmail.com. That's a foot in the box at gmail.com. So James uh, says, It goes without saying that Bryce Harper has gotten everything he has ever asked for in his entire life. Is it safe to say that played a role in his disrespect of baseball umpires this past week? Is a one-game suspension enough? Should the MLB take more of a role in patrolling their up-and-coming faces when an incident like this takes place? How does it affect him moving forward? Probably you want to take this one first? Sure. So a couple of different thoughts. Uh, I mean, I, I think I agree with Mr. Woods in that um, what Harper did was unacceptable. Like, you can't have a star doing that. But, you know, in terms of Major League Baseball's response, Harper's not a guy you can um, you can control in any way, I don't think. Like, he, yeah, if you give him a five-game suspension instead of a one-game, it's not. I don't think it will change who he is as a person at all. Mm-hmm. He's... At this point in his career, hot-headish, and he's going to do things like this. And so um, maybe like a three-game I think would have been more appropriate. But it got me thinking, um, I think the um, dichotomy of him and Trout is interesting. You have Trout who's never in the headlines beyond what he does in the field um, versus Harper who you know routinely says and does things that are um, just borderline ridiculous. It got me thinking about like other kind of – um, superstar tandems like that. And the only other one I could think of right now is sort of the LeBron, Steph Curry hmm. thing where Steph That's a good one. seems to be kind of a saint. Everyone loves him. 
Um, doesn't say a whole lot of controversial stuff off the court. And then LeBron, who's routinely, you know, liking things on or unfollowing people on Twitter or saying things that are um, just you shake your head at and like ask why. So yeah, this past week he uh, disagreed with uh, Steph getting the MVP. Yeah, just stuff like that. So I don't know. Can you think of any off the top of your head any other? Uh, no, but that's a good comparison. Um, I think it's easy for us to forget he's only 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, that's two years younger than us. Uh, so it, I guess it's just, yeah, it's easy to forget he's only 23. He seems like such a, uh, mature athlete, if not a, a mature human. Um, this is only his fifth major league season. Uh, his career OBP is 389. Wow. Um, so OBP so far this year is 461. Skyrocketing with the Cubs walks. Yeah. Um, and if you're unaware, Harper was on the cover of SI as a 16-year-old uh, first overall pick in the 2010 draft, uh, one year behind uh, Strasburg going number one, both the Nationals. Um, so, he, yeah, he's a tremendously successful athlete, and uh, I agree with you, Paul. They, they can't really control him. And, uh, I mean, part of MLB's uh, player discipline is that they can't, like, there's precedent. And so, unlike the NFL, they can't just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Harper ended up dropping the appeal. Didn't play the second game of a doubleheader um, hmm. on, on Saturday night. So, they kind of gained the system there. I agreed with the suspension. I thought it was deserving. I thought Harper, you know... I, Guys argue with umps all the time. They swear at the umps all the time. I didn't have a problem with that. My biggest beef was that his teammate had just hit a home run to win the game, and instead of celebrating with him, he was going after the umpire and uh, diverting attention from Robinson, the the guy that hit the homer, to himself. Yeah. Uh, so I, as a teammate, that's what I would have the biggest problem with. If you want to go you know, yell at him after everyone mobs each other or next time you see him, whatever, but... Uh, don't take away the attention from the guy that just won the game for you. Yep, I agree 100%. And it looked like it didn't look like he went out and like was caught off by surprise, caught off guard um, by the umpire being out there. It looked like he was running out there and then like knew exactly where the umpire was and like mm-hmm. that he almost went out of the dugout just to yell at the umpire. Mm-hmm. All right, that is it for our opening segment. Uh, as a reminder, you can send us emails like James did at a foot in the box at gmail.com. Next up, we have out of the box. Uh, before we give our articles, I wanted to let you know that we each wrote an article this past week on our website, a foot in the box.com. So Paul wrote an article on uh, his all Trump team players, baseball players, um, I guess all past. There were none present, but mm-hmm. four baseball players that were most. Trump-like, and how they played. Uh, so check that out. And then I also wrote an article, if you want to call it that. I picked our best uh, tweets um, from our first year and a half um, because we finally got to uh, 100 followers. So go check those out. If you care at all about Trump or good baseball tweets, um, at a foot in the box.com. But for articles, uh, Paul, you want to kick us off? Sure. I read an article called... Uh headlined Jason Hayward isn't alone among the 2015 free agent signings having a slow start uh, it was by Luis Medina of Bleacher Nation assisted by Brett Taylor now this is one of Peter's favorite outlets for baseball mm-hmm. news yep, good stuff um, but it talks about all the kind of the headline free agents from last offseason that aren't doing well so far um, so there were seven 
uh, players who sign deals worth $100 million or more. And a significant amount of those are having bad starts this year. So Hayward is obviously um, uh, at the forefront of the minds of the writers because it's the Cubs blog. He is currently hitting 216 with a 259 slugging percentage. Um, so a bad start, but I guess he's, he's, been, he's been awful. He's notorious for having slow starts, and he has a hurt wrist, so um, maybe optimistic for, for him to turn it around this year. But a few others, uh, David Price, he is, has had a rough start to this year. He has a 675 ERA, um, which is not good at all, and he's tweaking his delivery, which it's kind of funny. Only in baseball would you spend – over a hundred million dollars on somebody and then have them like tweak the thing they do. Like mm-hmm. in basketball, can you imagine if you signed, you know, yeah, say fix their shot, Jimmy Butler to a five year, 90 million, 90 million dollar deal. And then they're like tweaking their shot. It's just, it's kind of funny. Um, so he's not doing well. Zach Granke, uh, he made, he had the biggest contract from last off season, 206 million. Um, he currently has a five two six ERA. Um, but I guess his FIP, is decent 3.6, so it suggests that better times might be ahead. Uh, looking at a couple others here, um, Justin Upton, not as big of a contract, but still um, upwards of close to $100 million. Um, he entered uh, this past weekend with a 221 average and a 257 slugging percentage. Not good, and he's on pace to strike out 200 times for the first time in his career. And then finally, uh, last two I'll mention, Mike Leak. Cardinals signed him. He his ERA is six point zero three, and his FIP is actually terrible. It's five point one three, um, so not not a good start for Leak. And then Alex Gordon, the last one who the White Sox pursued, um, and I was uh, bummed they didn't sign him. But he's had a real bad uh, start to this year: um, two thirty nine average and a strikeout rate of thirty point six. Um, he is getting on base. His on base percentage is three fifty one, but just no power whatsoever. So, were those all seven, or some of the seven having good starts? Um, uh, Jordan Zimmerman is one that's having a really good start. Um, one of the best pitchers in the American League. Um, but I think that was six out of the seven. Okay, it's good stuff. Uh, my article comes from five thirty eight dot com by Rob Arthur and Ben Lindbergh, whose book we are reading. Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller. Um, next week we're going to talk about on the podcast, but we have details on that later. Uh, so the article is, Tommy John surgeries are down and nobody knows quite why. Uh, so last week on the podcast we talked about how the Angels ace, Garrett Richards, uh, went down, um, was in for the season, and also some of next season because he had um, elbow injury, needs Tommy John surgery. Uh, but he's been one of a very... A uh, small group of, of pitchers that need that in 2016, and he's pretty much the only prominent pitcher that has had um, a torn UCL so far this year and needed Tommy John surgery. Um, and March and April have been historically the peak periods for Tommy John injuries. Uh, from 2005 to 2014, um, so that's a, about a nine year span, 44% of Tommy John surgeries. Um, or 44% of injuries that needed Tommy John surgery happened in these two months. And there's two reasons why March and April are so um, popular for for these injuries. One is that ramping up too fast from off-season inactivity is, is not good for your elbow. And the second thing is that a pitcher that feels a twinge um, to end one season isn't going to um, 
you know, make that known. Uh, probably thinks that rest will help over the off season, and, and uh, he just can't hide it anymore when he comes to spring training. Um, but this year, it's not happening. Uh, through May 10th, we've only had 22 injuries, um, Tommy John uh, inducing injuries across every level of pro baseball. And um, like I said, Richards is pretty much the only prominent guy. Um, and the past two years, we've been over 50 by this point. Um, so over double what we have currently. In the last two seasons, we've lost really good pitchers too. You Darvish, Zach Wheeler, Brandon McCarthy, Matt Moore, Patrick Corbin, Jared Parker all went down in, in March and April. And this year we just have Garrett Richards. And so the article asks, have we solved the problem? You know, we talked about Jeff Passan's book um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, this injury epidemic, have we solved it? Is it, is it over? And the article uh, says essentially, probably not. Um, it's probably just a blimp on the radar. Or the last couple years may have been higher than the norm. This year is just a little bit lower. Um, but there are some some things that could aid in, uh, in pitchers not getting arm injuries. Um, pitches per major league start has dropped from 97 in 2008 to 93 in 2015. So almost four pitches over that seven-year span. Uh, in the minors, pitches per appearance has dropped uh, 10% since just 2013. So in the last three years, um, uh, pitchers are throwing 10% less pitches on average and top prospects. Um, so pitchers in the top 100 uh, of prospect lists, have uh, they've dropped um, pitches per appearance by 15%, so even more than the 10%. Uh, so teams are just watching out uh, more often, and you know, having a pitcher pitch less you know, that really hasn't been proven to affect um, arm injuries, but I think overall, um, if you're going to guess on something that might help a pitcher, is just less wear and tear. And the Dodgers are one team that is going way over the top, um, or going taking it to the extreme with uh, especially young pitchers in their in their minor league system. One notable case is 19-year-old starter Julio Urias. Is that you pronounce it, Paul? Uh, sounds right. I'm not familiar with him. Julio, you haven't heard of him? I have not. So 19 years old, youngest player in AAA, by far the top prospect in the Dodgers system, and one of the top in uh, one of the tops in all of baseball. He's made 60 minor league starts and has never pitched more than six innings. In 2014, at the age of 17, he struck out 109 batters in 87 innings in high A ball in the minors. So they're saying he could be the next Kershaw. He's the most developed. Uh, pitching prospect in years, according to many scouts and talents uh, evaluators. Um, but they're really, really taking it careful with him. He's only 19. So Tommy John surgeries are way down, and um, we'll see if that continues or if that's just a, kind of a, a low point, um, and they'll go back up again. All right, that does it for Out of the Box. Next up, we have TWTW. When you can put some of those categories, you know, you got your OBPS and all that and the VORPs, when they put in TWTW and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category, then you might have something cooking. What, what, what TW is, yeah, what is that? That's the will to win. All right, this is Peter, actually, to start TWTW. Uh, Paul, are you aware that Hawk Harrelson, who we just heard from, uh, he talked about TWTW on a White Sox broadcast over the weekend. Uh, I'm not aware of that. I heard him talk about Moneyball, but I didn't. Yeah. So our brother Kevin, 
uh, alerted me to the fact that he was talking about TWTW. I'm going to play that for us right now. So here is Hawk and Dan Plesak, who is filling in uh, on the broadcast, talking about TWTW. How about a nice five-pitch inning there for Chris Sale? Well, you called it the third, right? Needed it. <laughs> Woo! Just to get... We were having a conversation about chemistry and well, you know, Jose Abreu and Todd Frazier, Jimmy Rollins. It's gotten to the point today, too, that every club needs a leader, a Latin leader in their clubhouse. Because the influx of Latin players is growing and growing. I think it's up to about 30% and growing each and every year. And we've got one in Jose Abreu. We've got, he is, he's, he's a man. And when you have that, it makes it easier on the coaching staff, makes it easier on the manager. And then you got Chris Sale, who has become really, I would say between he and Todd Frazier, who's already jumped up into that category, those are the two leaders, which is great to have on a ball club. You got to have some leadership. And you got to have that common bond, that will to win. TWTW. Sox have not had TWTW for a couple of years. They've got it this year so far. And, and another thing, it, it, it's a fun team to watch because when you watch the White Sox. Yes, always uh, fun to hear Hawk talk about Latin players and the will to win. And I'm thinking about the White Sox just real quickly. They don't have a ton of Latin players, which is kind of their everyday lineup. Abreu. Um, I mean. Uh, no, Mel- Melky, is he from? Uh, that's a good question. Like Navarro is their catcher, but he, I guess they don't have many young Latin players. Quintana, again older. Yeah, I don't know. Just kind of interesting, and it's always amazing to me that Hawk was a GM for one year, <laughs> completely botched it, and now he thinks that he's an expert in all things baseball. But, anyways, getting into our stat segment this week, or our TWTW segment, um, with Max Scherzer recently striking out twenty batters, becoming the fifth ever to do that. Or the fourth ever, fifth performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to take a look at uh, which of those is the most impressive. So you have Scherzer's 20 strikeouts this week. Randy Johnson back in 2001, which is that's actually a pretty big gap, 15 years. Um, Curry Wood in 1998, and then Roger Clemens twice in 1996 and 1986. Um, so taking a look at those five different performances, wanted to kind of analyze which one was the most impressive. And one way you can do that is by comparing lineups. And uh, there's actually an excellent article on Fangraphs by Craig Edwards that did just this. So recommend you go check it out if you're interested. Um, but the lineup that would face, which was the 1998 Astros, was the toughest, um, even without the DH. Um, the Using a stat called Runs Created, which Bill James came up with, um, uh, it's by far the, the toughest lineup. That lineup included Biggio, um, Derek Bell, Bagwell, Moise Salu. Um, the next closest in terms of kind of the average um, runs created being above 100 was the Tigers lineup against Scherzer. That obviously you know featured Miguel Cabrera, J.D. Martinez, Upton, Kinsler. Um, it's interesting if you go back and look at the lineup that Randy Johnson faced in 2001, it was, it was absurdly... Uh, terrible, um, by far the worst of the five. Um, the the lineup featured Alex Ochoa batting fourth, Aaron Boone batting fifth, uh, Donnie Sadler was the leadoff hitter. Who is this for? Uh, Two thousand one Reds, so Johnson. Okay. Um, so just a really really bad um, lineup. 
Another way you can kind of analyze uh, which start was the most impressive is just look at the prevalence of strikeouts in baseball at the time for that year. So, for example, in 1986, 15% of batters struck out. That's a league average. Mm-hmm. And in 1998, it climbed to 16.9%. And then so far this year, it's up to 21.1%. Wow. So you could say, you know, Clemens and Wood are a little bit more impressive than Scherzer and Johnson just because less batters struck out Sure. Um, in their day and age. And then uh, the last thing you can look at is weather. So when Wood struck out 20... It was in April. It was cold, and the wind was blowing in, uh, whereas Scherzer's was uh, warm, and it was a clear night game. Um, so just another thing um, to factor. Uh, I think kind of taking all those things into account, I would say that Wood's start was the most impressive. Um, it would obviously be, be more impressive than Scherzer because Scherzer gave up a couple of runs. Um, but, yeah, uh, Wood faced the toughest lineup, um, faced a couple of Hall of Famers, and uh, was pitching in a time where it wasn't as common for a lot of guys to strike out. So I'm going with Kerry Wood's 1998 performance against the Astros as the most impressive of the 20 strikeout performances. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts? Agree, disagree? Yeah, I, I think I've read stuff where Woods is the best. Um, Scherzer's 17 strikeout game last year was almost better than this one. Um, would you say Woods... His performance is the best pitching performance ever, even though it wasn't a, a perfect game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't looked at it, into it a ton, but according to that game score stat that we looked at a few weeks ago, uh, Bill James's stat, it's the best. I think it's 105 game score. One interesting note on all five of the performances is that there was no walks in any of them. Wow. It's um, impressive. So even though Scherzer gave up a couple runs, Clemens gave up some runs in 86. No, uh, no walks. So, kind of highlights the fact that each pitcher was locked in control wise uh, mm-hmm. to, to be able to get to, to twenty strikeouts. And I think twenty strikeouts is way more impressive than like a no hitter uh, or even like a perfect game. Yeah, I agree. Didn't remember Edwin Jackson's no hitter mm-hmm. for that. For me, that like sealed the deal on like mm-hmm. no hitters not being that impressive. Even perfect games, like twenty strikeouts, is such a rare thing and such a dominant thing mm-hmm. that I would rather have twenty strikeouts than a perfect game. All right, that does it for TWTW. Next up, we have the sounds of the game. All right, this is Peter back on the podcast with sounds of the game. Um, if you're new to the podcast, this is just a segment where we talk about um, one announcer or one broadcasting moment that um, is fun to look back at. This week, we're not going to look back very far. Uh, Bartolo Colon hit a home run last Saturday night, eight days ago now. Uh, from when we are recording this, and uh, we tweeted out the video of it. And with our 90-some Twitter followers, we got 200 retweets and around 50 mentions, 200 favorites. Um, so clearly we hit a nerve. People like Bartolo, so I thought we should uh, discuss it and hear the, the broadcast uh, on uh, Sounds of the Game this week. Uh, so Bartolo is the oldest player to ever hit his first home run. That makes sense. He's 42 years old, about to turn 43 uh, here coming up next week. Uh, so it's the oldest player in baseball, and he's also the oldest player to hit his, his first home run. I'm not sure if that's a good set or a bad set for him. Um, in uh, in Bartolo's defense, he has primarily pitched in the AL 
only 250 plate appearances in in, uh, his career. Going against Bartolo, though, this was only his third extra base hit in those 250 plate appearances. 18 singles, three extra base hits now. And uh, very interesting, he has never walked. No pitcher has ever walked Bartolo Colon. And he strikes out, um, I think you said, Gordon was striking out like 27% earlier. Yeah, 30%. Bartolo is striking out 48% of the time in his career. Uh, Pitching-wise, though, again, in defense of Bartolo, he's won 10-plus games 13 times, uh, so a very good pitcher historically. Um, He was busted for roids in 2012, and he is the last active uh, expo. He's the last expo to ever play in a baseball game. Um, so those are notes on Bartolo. Lots of good stuff there. He's played for a bunch of major league teams, including the Indians, Expos, White Sox, Angels, Red Sox, Yankees, Athletics, and now the Mets. So here is the audio of Bartolo's Homer. We're going to give it to you from all different angles, including Spanish. So first it's the Mets broadcasters, and then we will follow that up with, at the end, uh, a couple of the, the Padres broadcasters who he hit the home run against. So here is Bartolo's Homer. Last Saturday. Malone looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes up to him. Back near the wall. It's out of here. <laughs> Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. The team vacates the dugout as Bartolo takes the long trot. His first career home run. And there will be nobody in the dugout to greet him. This is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Bartolo Colon has gone deep. I want to say that was one of the longest home run trots I've ever seen, but I think that's how fast he runs. (laughs) And now they'll flood up the tunnel and give him his just due. His 226th career (laughs) event. You knew if he ever made contact in just the right way, he was strong enough to do it. And now Bartolo has brought down the house. Lewecki at second, two out, two nothing New York in the second. The one-one swing and a drive to deep left field. It's got a chance. Upton going back. It's gonna go. Home run, Bartolo Colon. Repeating home run, Bartolo Colon. Seven line army in right field might tear this ballpark down. Cologne carried his bat with him until he was about 10 feet from first base. He's taking the slowest home run trot you've ever seen. He is approaching home plate. He touches home plate with his first major league home run. And they are going to give him a silent treatment in the dugout. They have vacated. The Mets have left the building. Bartolo Cologne is the loneliest man in San Diego as he reaches the Mets dugout. And there's nobody there to greet him. And now here they come up the dugout steps. Yeah, wow. He, he turns around. It says Drupal Cabrera, the first to give him a bear hug. And now Flores, it's everything but champagne on his head right now. Lanzamiento, saca batazo elevado, fuerte por la parte izquierda, va atrás, bien atrás, lleva color, lleva sabor. Hasta la vista, baby. Quadrangular de Bartolo, Bartolo Colón, por el juego, 4 a 0, Casacro. Él sabe cómo correr la base, después de batear un cuadrangular. Se está echando 30 minutos en finalmente llegar al home play, donde lo están esperando para felicitarlo. 
Primer cuadrangular de su carrera y todo el mundo se fue del dogao. Juanito Alicea. Bartolo la sacó y de qué manera. In the air to left field, struck well. Upton going back towards the wall, and that ball is gone. Bartolo Colon is taken out of the yard. Bartolo Colon, a two-run home run, and a 4-0 Mets lead. As my friend Jack Buck once said, I don't believe what I just saw. But we saw it here. Bartolo Colon just crossed home plate. First of his major league career. That began in 1997. The Mets have departed. They are gone. They are in the clubhouse at the moment. He's by himself in the dugout. Now they'll come back out. I'm speechless. All right, this is Peter back on the podcast. And because this is such a monumental episode, number 50, like we mentioned earlier, uh, we wanted to bring on our favorite listener. He's been on the podcast before, a couple times, actually. Uh, he recapped Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff last July and then uh, broke down the Blue Jays' playoff chances last October. Uh, so, David, welcome to the Foot in the Box podcast for the third time. Peter, thank you. Paul, thank you. 50 episodes have gone by like that. <laughs> what an honor to be on again. You you probably have the best uh, chance of like listening to all fifty episodes, right? Amongst all our fans, I feel like you've been with us from the beginning. Uh, that's probably true. I don't remember. I mean, I feel like I listen every week because I mean, and Peter can probably go back through text, <laughs> engage my uh, my hit percentage, but I think I'm I'm up there. What's your preferred uh, speed that you listen to our podcast at? Are you like a one point five podcast listener? Oh, no, I'm I'm in for the long haul, which is why it was kind of ridiculous. You guys are getting in the 120. <laughs> there was one a couple of weeks ago that was like 120, and I was like, man, I'm going to put this on at work, and then it's going to be lunch. <laughs> I mean, uh, really getting – I was looking back at some of the early episodes, and they're like 30 minutes. Yep. So the content has really uh, really been there. Got to give, the, give it to people what they want. It's true. It's true. Uh, first question – How's life going? The White Sox are good this year. Is life uh, is life going well? Thought we could uh, let the podcast listener in on that. Yeah, it's going well. I went to uh, I actually went to a game. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. I got home plate club seats, which are just fantastic. <laughs> uh, if you have the means, I highly suggest it. It's catered, and you can sit inside. And it's kind of a cold night. Um, was Chance the Rapper there? Chance the Rapper was not there. Darn. He's probably out doing uh, some TV promotion. But uh, it was against the Red Sox, so it was really great to be able to go inside because, you know, Red Sox fans are, I don't know how they're everywhere, but they're everywhere. I saw some fantastic jerseys come into the game. I saw Dice K, which was uh, a real throwback. <laughs> remember the gyro ball? Oh, yeah. You remember that? <laughs> I don't, I don't think anything ever came of that, but just the hype around it, I really remember that. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks thanks for that life update. You went to one White Sox game. It's good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I went, to a, I, went, I went to a Cubs game last weekend, too. Uh, 
and life in general for me is going pretty well right now. So that's good. All right, so this is this is episode fifty. Uh, reflect back on the first forty nine episodes from the listener perspective. Well, I was in I was in on the like right from the beginning because Peter, you were telling me about it, and you know there I've had some friends who have done some failed. Uh, internet ventures before. It's always depressing uh, to watch on social media when the posts stop coming. Yeah, so I was like, you know, maybe this, maybe this will have legs, maybe it won't, but I'll give it a shot. Uh, I went back through kind of the archives on the website and just reading like the subject headings. You know, some of them are real fun. One of them was like in all caps. It was Chris Bryant is playing Major League Baseball. <laughs> uh, so that really dates podcast i think um yeah but i mean from a listener perspective it's it's been interesting just hearing you know the the first podcast you know it might have been a little slow and you, know, you guys are just kind of finding your footing and but now to where you are uh you know i really love the really love the product you guys are putting out there so i'll continue listening but it's been fun as a listener just uh hearing the growth Appreciate you saying that. Uh, I've got some a foot in the box trivia. So, are you ready to uh, are you ready to answer some questions? What's funny is I actually have some for you guys too. Dang. Maybe we'll have some of the same questions because <laughs> I was going through and I was like, maybe I should write some stuff down. So, go ahead. All right. Uh, so, first question: You were part of the first ever Summer Flicks uh, promotion, the contest last summer. Uh, we mentioned sure. that that you watched Eddie's Million Dollar Cookoff with us. Can you name the other two right. movies that won the contest? It was Little Big League, and I love Little Big League, so I remember that one. Yep. And the other one is uh, Rooster's Million, <laughs> which never happened. <laughs> and I didn't even know what it was when it won. I was like, what movie is this? I had to look it up on IMDb. Yeah, so I, w- I will we'll get that. Well, I will be honest. I just didn't want to watch it, and that's why we never actually went through with it. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I looked at it on IMDb, and I'm like, I've never heard of this movie. Maybe it's good. Isn't, it could be great. John Candy is the catcher in it, I believe. Wow. that's uh, He's up there with the catcher and angels in the outfield for uh, probably being a little bit too oh, good that's, to play Major League Baseball. That's the fat guy in Angels in the Outfield? Right? Yeah. Wasn't he the catcher? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, great. Well, one for one. Uh, next question. What AL West team does Paul continue to believe in despite consistent poor play from that team? It's uh, it's the Mariners. <laughs> Who are in first place right now. It's also May. Yeah, I mean, maybe, this, maybe they've been sandbagging it, you know, for the past, past year. But I remember last, they were a hot pick. I can't really fault Paul for that. Everyone really loved them going into the year. And they just were complete crap. Robinson Cano, like, it seemed like he didn't want to play. He had signed that huge deal, and then it was just like, eh, maybe I'll take the year off. That is correct. Two for two. All right, uh, question three. Uh, and I, I think I'm right on this one, but uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, besides you, we've had 19 guests on the podcast, so people besides Paul and I. How many of those 19 can you name? Dang. And don't don't take a lot of time. Right. Just just off the cuff, shoot from the hip. All right. So, I mean, Kevin's been on. John's been on. You guys did the the family road trip podcast. That's right. Uh, Kevin's wife. I think it's Lacey. Is that it? That's also correct. 
Josh from Minnesota's band, right? Yep, he uh, he did Little Big League. Uh, Shulky. Shulky's been on when you guys did the live podcast. No. Uh, Shulky Alan was not Nathan. on. Wait, Shulky but, wasn't? No, but it was uh, it was another Matt, Matt Janky. And uh, oh. he I hadn't, didn't have him written down, so we had, uh, I guess we have 21 guests besides... Besides you. All right, so you're, you've gotten one, two, three, four. You've got five so far. All right, Alan Nathan. That's that right. Was, that was a really interesting one. That was some of those things were way above my head. Uh, Daniel Winkler recently. Oh yeah. Um, this is the guy the guy from Relevant? I forget his name. Jesse. Um, that's right. Yep, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Uh, man. I think there was one last October that's kind of a gold mine. Oh, there was your your roommate from Australia. <laughs> oh, yep, Ben. That was an early one. Um, oh, and then all the guys on the playoff preview one. Um, I had forgot so, that you provided the Blue Jays perspective. Was that because we couldn't find a Blue Jays writer, or because we? Won't yeah, win? I remember that. I was fine with that, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know any G- Blue Jays bloggers anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't remember all of those guys, but do you remember one of like five? Do you remember one of them from the state of Texas? I forget his name. But uh, I, remember I forget his. I forget his name he's too. A, he's just one of the weirdest individuals I've ever spoken with. He's a, he's an interesting uh, person on Twitter to follow. I like looked up some of his tweets after <laughs> that podcast, and he had some good takes uh, regarding baseball and life. Oh, uh, the guy who hit the homer. Oh, yep, By- Rangers Byron. That was probably my that and Jesse are my uh, two of my favorites. Yeah, that guy was great. That might be all I got. All right, so you uh, who, who I meant. So last week we interviewed the Ryan Watt baseball prospectus guy. Um, all right, because Cubs homer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, about a month ago we interviewed Andy from Texas. Uh, right. Uh, Paul's wife Kate was on mm-hmm. early on, and then the last one, kind of a wild card, Grady, made about a five second appearance in an, ep- in an episode. Our nephew uh, on vacation. Okay. Vacation. So, yeah, I was gonna guess. Uh, I was gonna guess Grady, but I just I thought you know I don't remember him actually being on. I felt like it would have been a bigger deal. So yeah, but oh, very man, very I can't, I can't believe- very impressive effort. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Um, just one more podcast trivia question. We now have three defunct segments. Can you name the three segments that we used to do but no longer do on the, the current uh, version of the podcast? It was historic box score. <laughs> throw, throw, <laughs> throwback box score. Uh, ump or no ump, which yep. you guys don't do anymore. I liked I mean, I think, like, the average person, I mean, you'd, have to, you'd probably have to be really into baseball to get some of those. But I enjoyed Ump or No Ump. Um, and baseball profile. Hey, no, we did Jackie Robinson. But that's, it's not weekly. It used to that's be true. Weekly. That's I'll give you two and a half. The other one I was thinking of was five huh. five seconds or less. We did, uh, we did that yeah, for, that like, the, the last half of last year. But. All right, so those are all the podcast questions I had for you. You have questions for us? 
I was going to ask, do you remember who the first baseball profile was? Um, that was, uh, was it Johnny the Endemir? No, it was, you really it, was, uh, it was Jim Devlin, right? It was Jim Devlin. He died, he died of tuberculosis. It was the saddest story I've ever heard. And it was like, for t- it felt like it went for 10 minutes. Because, <laughs> like, he was throwing, like, 600 innings a year. And then he was, like, throwing games to give his wife money. <laughs> and then he got, like, thrown out of baseball, and then he died. And, like, that was it. All the while, there was, like, the Ken Burns Civil War music playing in the background, which made it, like, way more sadder than it should have been. That was that was one where I was like, man, we got to get some, like, I don't know, i got to go, like, look at some puppies after this or something. That really got me down. Yep. And I don't actually think I have a precise episode number for this. This was just more of a question. How how long ago did you start using batter up as your intro? Um, I think the first week I did it was uh, when Paul interviewed Alan Nathan, just because that was a super boring episode because Paul did it all by himself. And so I wanted to... Boring, whatever. We interviewed the foremost physics of baseball professor. Exactly. That sounds really boring. So yeah, that was whatever episode that was in the off season. Right. Yeah, so that that was a more recent one. That was one I was just curious about. I wonder if you You're, you were support that. you were su- you were supportive of the shift, right? I was. I'm a huge fan of that song. I discovered that song like four or five years ago, even though it had been out for like eight up until then. So I didn't really discover it, but it's a great song. Huge fan. And even though you know the St. Louis ties and we're all loyal to Chicago, I like that because it's kind of like a you know we're building a bridge. <laughs> you know, it's not more than just, you know, the rivalry. That's a game. Got any others for us? Uh, I don't think I have any more trivia questions for you guys. But I wrote down a bunch of my favorite memories. Uh, some of these we already touched upon. But I said ump or no ump. I thought that was a really cool segment. Uh, the first, yeah, baseball profile on Jim Devlin. Do you remember when you did the, the podcast? From the game, oh yeah, yep. The legality, of, the legality of which <laughs> we were giving play by up yeah, we were giving play by play of an Indians Cubs game, which is definitely not legal. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciated how you guys just didn't care about that and just said, you know, we're just going to do it. That's for the fans, which is probably why you made the fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, uh, I thought the playoff preview podcast was really good. I just like you know going from one team all the way through with the consistent questions, you just kind of get a bunch of different viewpoints. And mm-hmm. uh, that was a good listen. Right now, my favorite segment is the will to win, purely for the soundbite. The soundbite <laughs> makes me smile every single time I hear it. I love it. He, he says, and, I love my favorite part is he says TWTW, and it's like one of those things where, uh, you know, you're talking to someone and they like say something and they really want you to ask like what that stands for or like, oh, you know, tell me about that experience. And then yeah. Brian Kenny yeah, fall, so falls, falls right into the trap. <laughs> uh, classic. Yeah, that I went back and watched like that whole segment. It's just like right from the beginning, it's just so icy. Because <laughs> like everyone knows what's going to happen and they just jump right into it. Fantastic. Love Hawk. Or this past week when he left the game to go check on Todd <laughs> Frazier. Who had medical assistance already? That was a 
That's interesting. My favorite part about that, I don't know if you read anything, uh, after he went down, he called Jerry Reinsdorf to give him an update, and then he called his wife uh, <laughs> to give her an update as well. Oh, man. I didn't know that. That's fantastic, though. Just, I mean, imagine, like, his job is to, like, call the games, and he just, like, left for, like, three innings. I mean... How do you, I mean, how are you just going to go do that? That's amazing. I love it. I mean, he's got passion, and a lot of Sox fans love him. Some don't. But uh, he sure makes it interesting. It's interesting. All right. Well, David, uh, do you have any other uh, thoughts? Episode 50, looking back over the first 49 episodes. Uh, just a lot of good memories. It's a, it's a great listen. Um, and... You know, baseball, the season's so long. There, there's so much going on. It's really great just to be able to, like, come to one place and hear basically everything you need. Uh, I really appreciate your guys' effort because I know that a lot goes into it that people probably don't see. They probably just think, like, you know, you throw down a phone and a mic and just talk for an hour and leave. But I know you guys actually do prepare and stuff. So from the fans to you, I just want to say thank you. Uh, for all you do for us, and here's to another fifty. Yeah, this and, is we're uh, actually launching a campaign, uh, Kickstarter, to keep the podcast going. Another fifty episodes, we need uh, twenty thousand dollars. So, David, are you willing to commit half of that on this podcast to start us off? Um, I'm not willing to commit half of that, <laughs> mostly because if I gave ten thousand dollars to someone without telling my wife. Being some big, I'd be in, I'd be in deep. All right. Yeah. What, uh, what would the 20,000 be going towards? Uh, staff, <laughs> staff mainly. Hmm. Well, a new, a new co-host for Peter. <laughs> we, we, we always talk about interns. I wonder. If they, what yeah. Whatever an intern wants to get paid, it would just be fun to have an intern to like, Make him do crap for us, like get coffee and like just give him a list of ridiculous people to try to get interviews with. Like, all right, first task: uh, we need Bill Simmons by this weekend. Yeah, make it happen. Did he? Did he email the commissioner? What did he say? <laughs> did he come in? <laughs> Great. Well, if we ever do hire an intern, you will be first on our list of potential candidates. I will also probably decline, but I'm honored <laughs> that I'm on the list. Great. Well, thanks uh, for being our best listener. And uh, ho- listeners out there, I hope you take notes from David on how to uh, how to be a, a great podcast listener. And, yeah, appreciate all the support. And uh, keep listening and keep, uh, keep uh, letting us know what you think. Will do. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David. All right, thanks to David for recording that interview with us. Very much appreciate uh, his uh, his listenership. All right, uh, next up we have a special throwback. Matt Bush made his Major League debut for the Rangers on Friday night, like we talked about earlier. Out of relief, he threw one inning, no hits, one strikeout. And, um, yeah, in 17 innings in A this year for the Rangers, he had 18 strikeouts, uh, just 30 years old but had a pretty crazy uh, past up until now. So on episode two of the podcast, 48 episodes ago, 
we uh, discussed Matt Bush in a baseball profile. And it's the only time we've ever had to use the bleep button on the podcast, <laughs> and it's the last time we used the sad music that David referred to in the interview. Uh, so we're just going to play that for you now, uh, the, the baseball profile that we did on episode two. So hope you enjoy. Matt Bush was the first overall pick by the San Diego Padres in the 2004 MLB draft. Drafted straight out of high school as a shortstop, Bush also had a 94-mile-per-hour fastball as a pitcher for his team at Mission Bay High School in San Diego, California. He was seen as one of the best 5 tool players ever to come out of high school. Most teams, however, including the Padres, had him ranked third on their draft board, behind college stars Jared Weaver and Stephen Drew. Both players were represented by Scott Boris, an agent who was and still is known for being hard to negotiate with. Because of this, the Padres opted to draft Bush, the hometown kid. He was the first high school shortstop to be drafted first overall since Alex Rodriguez in 1993. Matt Bush received a $3.15 million signing bonus with the Padres. Less than three weeks after being drafted, Bush was arrested for his involvement in an incident outside of a nightclub near the Padres training base in Peoria, Arizona. After getting released on that charge, Bush struggled in his first season in the minors, hitting just 192. After the first incident, the Padres began looking into Bush's makeup and family history, which consisted of an alcoholic father and brother. In 2005, Bush didn't fare much better on the field, hitting 221 in Class A. Then, in 2006, Bush broke his ankle in spring training and missed most of the season. After hitting 204 through May of 2007, the Padres made the decision to convert Bush into a pitcher. However, after throwing just seven innings, Bush tore a ligament in his elbow, which required Tommy John surgery, causing him to miss all of 2008. Matt Bush was designated for assignment on February 5, 2009. Around that time, Bush had another incident with the law. According to eyewitnesses and security cameras, a drunken Bush showed up at a San Diego high school. In the parking lot of that high school, Bush threw a golf club and then picked up a freshman lacrosse player and hit another lacrosse player. He then yelled, I'm Matt fucking Bush, before driving over a curb while leaving the high school in his Mercedes. Bush was then traded to the Blue Jays for a player to be named later. With the Blue Jays, Bush was on a zero-tolerance policy with regards to off-the-field activities. A month after being traded, Bush reportedly threw a baseball at a woman's head and banged on her car window after accusing her of drawing markings on his face at a party. The Blue Jays released him the next day. Bush would sit out the entire 2009 season from baseball. Not willing to give up on his immense talent, the Tampa Bay Rays signed Bush to a minor league contract for the 2010 season. Still trying to catch on as a pitcher, Bush rose all the way to AAA in the Rays' system by 2012, still only 26 years old. All of Bush's teammates and coaches were led to believe that Bush had been sober since 2009. The Rays' manager at the time, Joe Madden, was quoted as saying, I like the way he's dealing with everything. Here's a young man that's gotten a second chance, and he's done a lot of good with it. But days after finding out he did not make the Rays' major league team out of spring training, Bush stole his roommate's SUV and then drove to a strip club an hour away. Bouncers quickly kicked Bush out of the club when he attempted to climb on stage. After leaving the club, Bush hit a 72-year-old man who was driving a motorcycle. Bush then ran over the man's head as he was fleeing the scene. 
When arrested that night, his blood alcohol level was .18, more than double the legal limit in Florida. Bush only had $2,000 left in his bank account. He accepted a plea bargain and is currently serving his sentence of 51 months in a Florida prison. His projected release date is November of 2015. If Matt Bush doesn't resume his baseball career, he will be only the third ever number one pick to never play in a major league game. He is currently 29 years old. All right, this is Peter back on the podcast for bottom of the ninth. First up, we have Say My Name. All right, the name this week uh, is my favorite so far, and it's one that you won't believe. Uh, the name this week is Wonderful Terrific Mounds the Third. Are you familiar See, with See, but are these nicknames or real names? Real name. Okay, that's impressive. Um, he never made it to the big leagues. Uh, he was a six foot three, 190-pound um, draftee out of Tennessee State University. Um, and uh, he spent the majority of his career with the Braves, also played some minor league ball for the Rockies and Reds as well. Um, never got above double A. He did have a decent lifetime average in the minors, 281, and he had uh, 55 homers in uh, a little over 200 plate appearances. When did he play? Uh, he played late, uh, 1993 to 2000. What was his name again? Wonderful Terrific Mounds the Third. Now you know the most interesting thing about that name is that he was the third person. Yeah, there's in the, two other people with that name. His father was actually a. What was his name? His grandfather was Wonder Mounds, and his father was Wonderful Mounds the Second. Um, but he was a very good football player. Played. He was a legend up in the Canadian Football League. But then he also played for the Forty ers and his brother. Uh, is a former Cincinnati Bengal and Miami Dolphins named Mario Mounds. Um, so yeah, very uh, very interesting name. Wonderful, terrific Mounds, the third. It's a good one. All right, my Yahoo answer of the week um, is in reference to the movie Moneyball, and I was thinking about Moneyball because a couple of good friends from Champagne recently uh, texted Paul and I, or I guess they tweeted at us saying that they really love Moneyball. They just watched it. Um, they are not baseball fans or even sports fans, and they just loved loved the movie and loved baseball more after the, watching the movie. Um, so I thought, hey, it's a great movie. Uh, we should talk about it more. So this week's Yahoo answer comes from that. I also thought of it because Hawk and Dan Plesak discuss Moneyball on the broadcast uh, that we played from earlier, and we'll play that to end the podcast. Um, so you can stick around for that. Um, but the question this week comes from Patrick Murphy. His question is, in Moneyball, why does his daughter sing You're Such a Loser Dad at the end? Subtitle, I just watched it and I thought it didn't make sense and it was a horrible ending. Uh, so, Paul, why do you you know the song? Yeah. Um, why, why do you think she sings You're Such a Loser Dad? It's just a sentimental way to end the movie, I think. Right? So like, she, does, she doesn't mean you're a loser? Because she wrote the song, right? I mean, he he's lo- like they lose to end the season, so it's just kind of like a, a silly way to say. Uh, that'd be my best guess. Okay. Well, Shiler writes in. He says his answer to the question. Well, I agree with you that it was very odd. The daughter is singing or saying it in jest. The message is that his daughter understands him more than he or anyone around him really does. 
He was successful. He made it to the big leagues. Though he wasn't the best, it is still a huge accomplishment. Out of high school, then he became a scout and soon after became the GM of the Oakland A's. If this is not enough, he brings one of the poorest teams to the American League Division Series, completely changing the face of baseball in the process, and is still not happy. So when she says, you're such a loser, Dad, she is making fun of him, because that is what he thinks of himself, and it isn't fair. He was a winner, a huge one, and just wasn't able to realize it. Like the overweight guy who stumbled back to first. Uh, what was his name? Scott Hattiebird? No, Brown. The guy that, oh, Jeremy Brown. Jeremy Brown. Uh, like the over, overweight guy who stumbled back to first because he didn't realize he hit a home run. That's why the last line of her song is, Just enjoy the show. She is telling him not to be so hard on himself and be happy with what he has done. Of course, this is just my interpretation, and I do agree with you that getting that message across was not handled very well at the end, but it was still a good message. So uh, that's uh, just one scene in Moneyball. If you haven't seen it yet, you are really missing out, and we will play, like I said, Hawk and Plesak discussing Moneyball at the end, and then we'll finish with uh, with Billy Bean's daughter's song as well. So you know what we're talking about. All right, Pick Your Team is up next. Um, Paul, who is your team this week? The aforementioned Seattle Mariners. <laughs> Still going with them? They are playing well, and they are first in the American League West. What's your process like? Do you even look at their schedule to see who they're playing? Uh, I don't look at the schedule so much as uh, last 10 is a big one for me. Okay. And Do you think schedules might help you a little bit? Uh, they might, yeah. Are you, What's the scoreboard say? So uh, I'm 23 and 15, and you are 22 and 15. Hmm. So, so, so far your schedule strategy has made half, you one half game, up. half game better than me. Yep. All right, I am taking the Pirates this week. They play the Braves. I have started to embrace the strategy of pick whoever the Braves are playing. No, your strategy is pick whoever had a crappy last week and then hope that and they whoever, turn around. And I look at the schedule. So, Paul, you have the Mariners. I have uh, the Pirates. Last week, Paul's uh, picked the Marlins. They went 4-3. and three. I had the Royals. They went 3-4. and four. Next week on the podcast, we'll be discussing a new book. It's called The Only Rules It Has to Work. It's written by Sam Miller and Ben Lindbergh. They're both great baseball writers and baseball thinkers. Uh, ben writes for 538.com, uh, used to write for Grantland. Sam Miller is the editor-in-chief of Baseball Prospectus. Uh, so Paul and I have both bought the book, are reading it right now. It's good stuff. You should uh, check it out. We'll link to it in the podcast episode if you also want to buy it. We're hoping to interview someone that was involved with the book. Um, So last year, Ben and Sam ran an independent league team using a lot of kind of over-the-top sabermetric sort of ideas. Or They probably didn't think they were over-the-top. but um, And the the book is just about their experience doing that with independent league players. And uh, we're hoping to interview someone that was involved with their team last year. Um, So we're excited about that. Uh, So buy the book. Check it out and listen to our podcast next week. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review there. really helps get the word out about our podcast. You can send us emails at afootinthebox at gmail.com. That's afootinthebox at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. Join the 103 other people slash weird Twitter bots that have also done that. It's afootinthebox on Twitter. 
Check us out online at afootinthebox.com. Like we mentioned earlier, we each wrote an article this past week, and we will continue to write more. So afootinthebox.com. You can also look for old episodes of the podcast there. That does it. Paul, you got anything else? Have a great week, and remember to keep a foot in the box. You're such a loser, Paul. <laughs> and here's Rollins. Jimmy over two. He's grounded to first, and he has struck out. Checks it up and fouls it away. Yeah, when you put the ball in the play and keep it, that's the reason that Kansas City will get more infield hits. They'll get more little flares, little duck snorts than any team in the American League. Meanwhile, they're on base and they score. I think we both agree on this. What, what's the winning method? You know, a lot was made of the money ball with Billy Bean, and it's about getting on base percentage. But I still believe this. Without Zeter, Zito, Mulder, and Hudson, that money ball, you have to have the pitching first and foremost. Well, you know, you just mentioned three guys that were never mentioned in that movie. Not one time. <laughs> Not one time were they mentioned in that movie. And when you had those three guys, there's 60 wins right there. I'm just a little bit caught in the middle. Life is a maze and love is a riddle. I don't know where to go. Can't do it alone. I've tried and I don't know why. I'm just a little girl lost in the moment. I'm so scared, but I don't show it. I can't figure it out. It's pinging me down, I know. I've got to let it go and just enjoy the show. Slow it down, make it stop, or else my heart is going to pop. Cause it's too much, yeah, it's a lot. To be something I'm not, I'm a fool out of love, and I just can't get enough. I'm just a little bit caught in the middle Life is a maze and love is a riddle I don't know where to go, can't do it alone I've tried and I don't know why I'm just a little girl lost in the moment I'm so scared, but I don't show it I can't figure it out It's bringing me down, I know I've got to let it go just enjoy the show. Dum de dum, da dum de dum. Just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. Just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. Just enjoy the show.